We're going to be looking at the story of Jonah. Anyone heard of the story of Jonah? Probably if you grew up around church, you would have heard of the story of the guy that's swallowed by a big fish. That's normally what we know, isn't it? But actually, over these next four mornings, I hope that we're going to explore and enjoy this story. And really, what we're going to see is this. It's a story about a guy who gets called by God, who runs away from God, then starts running to God, then gets to run for God, and then comes to meet the running God. And so each morning, that's what we're going to be exploring. And today we're going to look at the story of Jonah in chapter one, and we're going to see that this is a guy who runs away from God. Now we all know, don't we, that first impressions are really important. Who's here and they're in year six and they're going to be heading into year seven in September? Anyone here? Yeah, a few of you. It's so good to have you with us. Uh, And you probably are already thinking about that first day of school and how do you make a good first impression? Maybe for your teachers, but more importantly, with your friends, with those that you're going to be meeting, those that you're going to get to know. Or maybe you remember when you first had that mate come round and you wanted to make a good first impression. So you took down the embarrassing posters or pictures. You hid your dirty pants. You know, you wanted to pretend and, and set something that came across really well. We all think first impressions really matter. And actually, this is where me and Jonah have quite a lot in common. He doesn't make a very good first impression. And I'll be honest with you, I am not very good at making good first impressions. I'll give you two quick examples of that. First one, I'm married. I'm married to a wonderful woman called Catherine. We've been married for, yeah, yeah, you can cheer that. We've been married for just over 10 years. We've got two girls, Annabeth, who's eight, and Millie, who is six. But if you were to say to Catherine... Could you describe for us in three words your first impression of Martin? I wonder what you think she'd say. Handsome, funny, mysterious, intense, a deep smolder. Who knows, you know, what those words would say. I could tell you what she'd say. Three words Catherine would say about me. Number one was I was bald. I I was bald then. She wasn't just making stuff up. I used to shave my head because I thought that was cool. Uh, So I was bald. Number two was I'm loud. That was her second thing of me. And number three was, I'm irritating. So right here, this is a picture of hope for all of you. That even someone who a woman first meets and thinks they're bald, loud, and irritating, she still married me. We're going strong after 10 years, and we're expecting many, many more years together. Thank you. But here is the worst first impression I ever made, okay? Age 18, it was my first opportunity to be a leader on a youth camp. Kind of like New Day, but less people. And this was my moment to shine. I was pretty confident. I thought, you know, I'm pretty impressive. I've been waiting for years to get to be a leader. Some of the youth in the room, you're already thinking, I can't wait for when I'm old enough to be a leader and just show how rubbish my current youth leaders are. That's what I was thinking. Day one of this youth camp comes round, and this is my moment to shine. I'm going to show everyone the best leader that has ever existed in the history of the world has now come to the youth camp. And on day one of this event, we went to the beach. What better place to make a good first impression than on the beach? We've all seen the films where, you know, there's sports going on, and there's that kind of one guy that kind of, I don't know, does the amazing thing, and everyone's like, "Woo!" that was going to be me. So I was ready. And not only that, a game of tag rugby begins on the beach. Now, if you don't know what tag rugby is, it's basically rugby for wimps because you don't actually have to tackle. You just touch and it counts as a tackle. So this is my kind of game. I'm ready. And so we're playing this game and suddenly the ball gets thrown to a guy who's running down the wing and I'm defending. And I realized two things in this moment. Number one is I need to stop him from scoring. And number two is 
I'm actually going to be able to reach him. And so in a moment, without hesitation, I make the greatest diving tackle that anyone would have seen in their entire lives. If you'd been there, you'd still be talking about it now. I leapt, literally dive across the beach. I lunge for my friend. I tackle him so he doesn't score and I fall to the floor. Now I jump up, incredibly happy. I'm like, whoa, yes, have that, eat that. The greatest leader and rugby player in the world is here, expecting to be surrounded by cheers, applause, people coming, lift, you know, like lifting me on their shoulder, like, Martin, Martin, that kind of thing. As I turn around in my excitement, one of the other leaders sees me and he points at me and he starts laughing. I'm like, I feel a little bit angry in this. How dare you laugh? That was the greatest tackle anyone's ever seen. This is the best first impression that anyone could ever make as a leader on a youth camp. And I look down and I realize, oh, yeah. I'm a little bit sandy because I've just dived on a sandy beach. So I start to wipe the sand off of my body. And then to my horror, I realized that in my excitement of making this tackle, I'd overstretched myself and my shorts had ripped and my privates had become public. Now just think about that for one second. Is there a worst first impression that you could make as a youth leader on a youth camp than showing your privates to the world. I'm not sure there is a worse way that you could do that. That is a bad, everyone agree with me? That was a bad first impression. If you have a story of making a worse first impression than that, please come and see me at the end. I'd love to be encouraged by you and I'd be happy to pray for you. But me and Jonah have this thing in common. We both make bad first impressions. I'm not sure you could find a worse first impression than Jonah makes. The story starts like this. God calls Jonah. We see in chapter one, it says... Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and said, arise and go to Nineveh. God calls Jonah. He speaks really clearly, and Jonah hears him. Now what's important to realize right at the start is that the call that Jonah gives, uh, God gives to Jonah is a pretty uncomfortable call. God says, go to Nineveh. Now, you see again in verse 2, it talks about how the evil of Nineveh has gone up to the Lord. They're a place that's known for evil. Not just for God, but for the world. Everyone knew at that time that Nineveh was not a place you wanted to go. It had a reputation for treating people badly. So Jonah receives this really uncomfortable call from God. And so what does he do? Verse 3, it says, but Jonah. I love that. If you ever hear those words, it's never a good sign. So we're in a conversation and someone's saying, we were having a great time in 12 to 14s, but Martin... You know it's not going to end well, do you? The end of that sentence isn't going to go well. And we see it here. But Jonah, and it tells us that Jonah runs from God. It says instead of arising and going to Nineveh, it tells us that he arises and he goes to Tarshish. And it uses this word. It says he flees. He runs away to a place called Tarshish. He doesn't do what God asked him to do. In fact, Jonah did the total opposite. God has said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. It's over here. This is where you need to go. And Jonah said, okay, God, I hear you, and I'm going to go to Tarshish. And he goes in the total opposite. You couldn't go further away from what God has said than Jonah does at the start of this book. He runs as far away from what God has said as possible. But it also tells us in this passage that not only does he run away from what God's called him to do, but he runs away from God. It says he goes to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah has heard clearly from God, 
and has clearly made a decision to go in the opposite direction. And he's all in in this idea. He thinks this is a really good idea. And we see that we think he thinks it's a good idea by a few things. Firstly, he gets up, he goes down to the harbour in Joppa, he scouts out all the ships, he works out which one he wants to go in. There's a lot of thought that goes into Jonah's plan. Secondly, he gives money to it. He pays to get onto the boat to go. Now, you don't give your money away unless you think it's worth paying for. So he's thinking this is worth the money to go for. And then finally, he says he gets on the boat, he goes below deck, and he falls asleep. Now, if you've ever done anything wrong, you know when you've done something, you know it was bad. Like, you, you know what you've done is bad, and you're really hoping no one finds out. I'm sure no one in this room uh, can kind of sympathize with that feeling of, you know, I've done that thing. You know, I smashed the thing in the house and I've hidden all the stuff and I'm really hoping mum and dad don't see it. Or, you know, I've skipped school and I'm really hoping the teachers don't. Whatever it may be that we've done. If you're feeling like that, normally sleep doesn't come very easily to you. Yeah, You're kind of feeling the pressure, you're kind of anxiety and full of adrenaline, all these kind of things. Jonah literally just gets on the boat and he goes to sleep. He thinks this is a good idea. He's running away from God. He's got onto the boat, he's invested in it, and he's gone to sleep. Now, the truth is that if I was to ask all of us in this room, has there ever been a moment in your life where someone's asked you to do something and you've done the opposite, I'm pretty confident we would all say yes. When our parents have said to us, could you do that thing? And not only have we not done that thing, but we have done the total opposite of the thing that they asked us to do, or whether it's our teachers, or maybe already at New Day. Already at your new day, your youth leaders have said to you, now listen, before you go and do that thing, we need you to do this thing. And you say, "Uh uh-huh, I hear you, and you're going to do that thing and not there. We've all done it, haven't we? We all live like that. But actually, more importantly, many of us, this is how we have been with God. We've come to new day this year, and we're running away from him. We're running in a total opposite direction to which God has spoken over us. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've been around Christians for a long time. But over the last few years, you found yourself starting to move in the opposite direction to where you know God would want you to go. Maybe you've been at things like New Day or other events like this in the past and you felt God speak to you and call you. And maybe last night you went forward and you responded to the invitation and you were really determined that this is now going to be me. I'm going to be walking for God all of my life. And things have happened that have led you to turn and start walking in the other direction. Many of us will have stories in our lives of where we have run from God and actually where we are running from God right now. And it really matters. Running away from God is a big deal. And it's a big deal for three reasons we see in this story. Number one is, it's a big deal because it matters to God. God cares about you and I. And God wants relationship with us. It hurts God's heart when we run away from him. That's why the story doesn't end here. The story doesn't end with Jonah going down to Joppa, getting on a boat, going to Tarshish, the end. The shortest book in the Bible ever. The easiest one to understand. God called, he ran away, done. That's not how it ends, because God cares. God follows Jonah. It matters. If we're those that are running from God, it matters to God. His love, his affection, and his care for us is real. It matters, because often running away from God puts us in difficult positions. Jonah ends up on a boat in a storm. To make things worse, he then ends up being thrown overboard and floating in the ocean. 
No idea how close to land he is. Doesn't sound like they give him a boat. He's literally just lobbed overboard and he's left there. Often when we choose to run away from God, we find ourselves in difficult situations. Alienated from those that were close to us. Alienated from God. And we also see here it matters because often it gets others into trouble as well. These poor sailors that are just doing their job. Jonah gets on their boat and it gets them into trouble as well. And so it matters. Running away from God is a big deal. And so we see here, Jonah doesn't do well. He gets on the boat and he runs from God. But what we also see in this first chapter is that God doesn't give up. God's not looking on on the choices that Jonah made helplessly. You know, one day he's just there up in heaven, chilling out as God does. And one of the angels comes over to him and says, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Lord. Uh, I know you're, you're kind of having your Sabbath time. But uh, you know that guy, Jonah? that you asked to go to Nineveh? Well, he's actually got up and he's gone in the other direction to Tarshish. And God's like, oh no, but Jonah was my only hope and I was really hoping he'd do what I asked him to do. I don't know now what I'm going to do. Well, God's not looking on disinterested, looking away. He doesn't care. The angel's are like, you know that guy Jonah? He's like, who? Well, you spoke to him. Oh, I don't remember that. Well, he, he's not done what you've said. Oh, it doesn't matter. That's not what we see. God cares and God follows. And God follows by sending a storm. I love this. this. God sends a storm to get Jonah's attention. And I wonder, some of us, we may know that we're running away from God. And God may be using New Day to get your attention. God may be bringing something that disrupts the normal rhythms of your life to catch your attention so that you know that he cares. That he doesn't want you to run. He wants you to come. And actually, at the end of the talk this morning, we're going to have an opportunity. If you feel like you're running away from God, and you want to stop running, you want to come back to him, there's going to be an invitation for you to do that. And so we see God sends this storm to Jonah to get his attention. But what's really interesting is it doesn't actually get Jonah's attention. He's fast asleep. It gets the other guy's attention first. It says the captain goes down and wakes him up. Wake up, you sleeper. I mean, that is impressive to be able to sleep through a storm. I always think if someone comes to New Day and is able to sleep well every single night, that is imp- that's like sleeping through a storm on a boat. You know, like when there's whoever it is, I don't know who you are, but whoever it is that decides, do you know what the best thing to do at five o'clock in the morning is? Is one of two things. Get my guitar out. No. Or number two, play football right outside everyone else's tents. Those two things are not good ideas. They're bad ideas. Stay in bed. Go to sleep. This morning, I was shocked when I got up at six o'clock. How many people were running around the campsite? Just like, oh yes, I'm here at New Day. I'm not going to be able to shower all week. I'm going to get really sweaty. I was like, goodness me, what is wrong with these people? God bless you if you go running, that's great. You can probably tell from my physique I don't. Um, But we see here that Jonah is the captain whose attention. He comes out and says, wake up, you sleeper. Pray to your God. Maybe he will help us. Sometimes it's others that God sends to catch our attention. He sent the captain to Jonah. Who has he sent to catch your attention? Maybe you did not want to come to New Day this year. Perhaps your wonderful parents paid for you and booked you in and didn't really include you in the conversation and you found out yesterday, oh, you've got to get on the coach. What? Why have I got to get on the coach? Where am I going? Oh, you're going to sing called New Day. Oh, okay. Off you go. Maybe it was a friend that asked you to come. Maybe it was a youth leader. Maybe it was just you. God may have used others to catch your attention like he does here with Jonah. We see it's the captain that gets his attention. So the question we've got to ask is, are we listening? Because God cares about each and every one of us. He cares about where we are. He cares about what we're doing. He cares about our relationship with him. And we see Jonah has a light bulb moment. 
he realizes all of these problems are because of me. This is all my fault. That's basically what he realizes. He says to them, they're like, pray to your God. Who's your God, by the way? And he clearly remembers. And he's like, well, I actually worship the God of the land and the sea. And they're like, well, what have you done? Why have you ignored him? Because he's told them he's run away from God, it tells us. And he suddenly realized running away from God is a really bad idea because you can't run away from God. You know, God is everywhere. God is all-powerful. God is not one that kind of just looking over, you know, I'm a dad of two kids. And there's moments where I'll be like, just, oh, what's that thing over there? And I go, where's my children gone? You know, I'm trying to find. God's not like that. He knows where we are. And so we see Jonah suddenly realizes, this is my fault. I've made a mistake. And so they say, well, what should we do? And I love it. Obviously, obviously the common sense answer is, just throw me overboard. Just throw me overboard. This is, I have messed this up horrendously. Just lob me overboard and you'll be fine. And they're like, right, okay. Well, hang on one second. This, is, this storm is pretty crazy. And you're, we, just, we just throw you over. What's going to happen to you? And I love it. Jonah says, and it will calm. He's so confident that if he stops running from God, what will happen is he encounters peace. Isn't that amazing? This guy who has made the worst first impression, who has deliberately run in the opposite direction to God, who has invested all that he could into these things, when he realizes that he's running, he also realizes that if he stops, he'll encounter calm. And yet what we see is the sailors at this point then think, We realize that there's something going on here. We think it's probably your God that's doing it, and you're the reason that we're in trouble. But we feel a bit bad just throwing a guy overboard to his death. We're not quite sure we can do that. And so it tells us that they start rowing against the storm. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I pray I never have to experience this. If I'm in some kind of raging storm, and the only answer is for me to row against it to get to safety. One time I uh, was out in a rubber dinghy with my friend when I was 15, and uh, none, we, we don't live near the sea. I grew up in Essex. Uh, I now live in um, Canterbury. And, um, and we live nowhere near the sea. So like once a year, we get a treat of getting to go to the beach. And we've got this dinghy, and we're in it. And we're like, oh, this is so much fun. Not realizing that the current is blooming strong. And so it just kind of drifted us out into the middle of the ocean to the point where then we were caught up in the middle of like a jet ski race course thing. That we're, and we're trying to row, but this little current we can't go against. So in the end, we had to get towed back. We look so special. Being towed back by this person in their jet ski to save us. That was in gentle waters. These guys are trying to row against the storm. But that's what we do, isn't it? We often, we try to row against the plans and the will of God for our life. I became a Christian when I was 15 years old. I was in a meeting similar to this. And I can remember it vividly. God gave me a picture and he spoke to me. And the picture was of me in a boat and it was me rowing. And then the picture panned out. And as it panned out, I was actually in a sailboat. And the wind was blowing me one way and I was rowing the other way. And I felt the Lord say to me, stop fighting me and let me take you where I want to take you. And I met with Jesus. I was filled with the Spirit. I gave my life to Christ. It transformed my life from that moment. And that was that realization, stop rowing against God. Stop running away from God actually come back to him. And so that's the invitation for each one of us today. If you're here and you know that this last year or these last few years, you have been deliberately running away from God, God's invitation to you is stop running and come and know peace. And the way that we're able to stop running and come and know peace, here's the good news, is not that we've got to be thrown overboard into the ocean. Jonah had to do that. 
Jonah realized he was the problem and the solution was throwing me overboard. But as we heard last night, as Joe spoke brilliantly, we are the problem, but Jesus is the solution. And here's the good news for us. Jesus Christ was thrown overboard on our behalf. Jesus Christ, the only one who had never done anything wrong, the only one who had perfectly followed the will of God, the only one who had never run away from God, said, I will take upon myself the storm that you deserve so that you never have to taste it. So Jesus was thrown overboard so that you and I could know peace with God, friendship with God today. And this is the invitation. God wants to invite you and I to stop running, to come back to him and to know peace. Some of us, we think that God is like that angry teacher that Joe was talking about last night. We've been running from God and we know when we stop, we're going to encounter an angry God that tells us off. I told you not to do that. Oh, here you are again coming back. That is not who our God is. Our God is kind and gracious. He's loving and he's good. And he is a father that loves you. And so just as for Jonah, as soon as he stopped running, peace came. That can be true for you today. And so this is the invitation of God. Today, if you know you're running from God, you can come back to him. You can stop running and you can know peace in Jesus. We're going to sing a song together now. And then after this song, I'm going to come back up and I'm going to invite you. If that's you, if you know you've been running from God, it's going to call you up. And we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you come and know the goodness of God afresh in your life. So let me invite us to stand. I'd love to pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Let's stand to our feet. We thank you so much that you are a God that follows us. Lord, we thank you that no matter how hard we run, no matter how far we run, you are a good God that loves us. And I just pray for each one of us in this room right now, in this moment, would you come and meet with us? If we're running from you, would we encounter your goodness? If we're rowing against you, God, would we know your peace? And would each of us know your love as we sing this song, I pray in your name. Amen.